0: This is the Post-America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post-America. Mad Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post-America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Richie from the Post-American Podcast. We're back and uh, a lot of good feedback on the last episode. And I got a lot of news I'll put in the, uh, in the following episode. But today, I'm really excited because I'm talking to someone I listen to all the time. I got Finn McKinty from uh, Punk Rock NBA. He's a real successful YouTube channel and, uh, and podcast, among many other things. How you doing, Finn? Good. How about yourself? i'm pretty good i uh sorry about the screw up everybody at home i was trying to get Finn on but my tech skills are a little crapped out and uh but he was gracious enough to still do this even though i'm i'm half hour late with the uh with the whole deal so sorry about that bro
1: no worries sorry for the the confusion i literally
0: just learned that you were in crutch yes long time ago yep i did not know that very cool you're aware of that band of course okay good that's that's good because uh when I first started listening to you, it was the straight edge episode that got me into it. And what's that's going back easily over a year now, right? That episode. Yeah, a couple, I think maybe two years or something like that. And that's when I became aware of, of you and also that you have a history in the scene. And I always love when I, when I pick out people, when they throw little hints out there with you. You know, the hints were, you know right in your face. So you made it clear and, and you gave a little history about yourself in that episode. I th- thought it was really cool too. So knowing that you came up in the scene and, uh, and now you have this, uh, you're kind of like the Matt Pinfield of like heavy music. Remember that guy? I, you know, a lot of people tell me that I do remember him. I, I didn't follow him super closely, but I, I do remember him. I didn't either, but he was always on MTV and he was like the guy for the music that I didn't know about too much. And I was always like, "Who's the heavy guy for for this? Was it Ricky Rackman at the time? But he was more just kind of like a hang around type dude, right? But uh, you ca- you came in in these current times, and here you are. You're like the the Matt Pinfield. You're so knowledgeable about all types of heavy music, even from the hardcore scene up to like straight like death metal. Just and, old. Uh, that's all. Yeah. Well, I I know the feeling. <laughs> I'm up there too. But let me let me find out. Like, so what was the first? like your first entrance into any sort of uh heavy music scene was it hardcore and when was it uh
1: it was 1990 i used to think it was 89 but I, I looked up the video and turns out it's 1990 i saw uh suicidal tendencies on headbangers ball or on mtv news rather you know they had been banned from playing la for 5 years or whatever because of like violence at their shows and they played their first show back in la And MTV News did this little segment about it. They played in like the parking lot of Tower Records and they did a, uh, that's where they shot the video for War Inside My Head, the live video for it. And uh, I didn't know what it was, but I was like, this is fucking cool. Plus, if there's violence involved, (laughs) you know, when you're a little kid, you think that stuff's cool too, you know? And I was like, if there's violence involved, I don't know who these guys are, but this sounds cool. And then I took my birthday money and I went out and bought Lights, Camera,
0: Revolution, and that was that. That's a great entrance because Suicidal had the look, they had the sound, they were musically better than a lot of the other bands that were in there yeah. in their genre, you know. So that's a great entrance. Could have done a lot worse than that. Yeah, and you were up in uh in the in the northwest at the time. That's where you're born or? Yes, sir. Seattle area. Seattle area. So from there did you start like, did, did you start noticing a local scene or was it just all stuff from the record stores and stuff like that? Well, there,
1: there was. I did. I, I don't know if you remember Undertow. They were kind of the yes. only bigger band we had here. There were some smaller bands. Well, there was The Accused, of course, who I loved, but, you know, not really the kind of hardcore that we're talking about. Um, but uh, there were some smaller local bands and there was The Accused. There was Forced Entry. If anybody is from the area, they'll remember like spearhead and balance of the world and uh strain from vancouver there were some smaller bands but undertow was really the only national band we had back then seattle was very you know kind of off the radar um i mean you were touring uh around then in the 90s and stuff and you remember like a lot of bands just didn't even play seattle because it's a pain in the ass like routing wise the only decent sized city that's close is portland which is like three hours away So a lot of bands just never even played. So like, you know, three or four times a year, we would get like a victory band coming through or something. And it was a really big deal. So there wasn't really a lot going on locally. Uh, And so I was more into kind of national stuff. I discovered Maximum Rock and Roll and Punk Planet and stuff and kind of got, you know, I I just wanted to discover everything I possibly could. I would get those and read every fucking review, like look at every ad. I mean, I just like, Memorized every word of those things and checked out as much stuff as I possibly could, and that was just all I cared about for you know most of high school.
0: Yeah, I do remember uh, Seattle. Just like the conversation was kind of like, "Can we play Seattle?" No, you can't play Seattle, and, <laughs> right? Because we'll it, make it, yeah forty
1: five dollars and we've got to drive like fourteen hours to get yeah, there.
0: It was all about the routing, and yeah. uh, it wasn't until until my other band wisdom of chains that we would actually just fly out there for like some one-offs like right. particularly like Rainfest, if you remember that yep but uh yeah it was always an issue with uh with up you know even when you're you know in on the east coast we think yeah once we're in california then we'll head up and we'll hit seattle but it's uh it's kind of not even an option especially back then
1: yeah yeah definitely when you know if it was a big show it'd be like 75 people <laughs>
0: And uh, so you delved into the straight edge scene too back then, or, or was that did that come later?
1: Um, I think I found out what straight edge was when I was maybe fourteen or something like that. Uh, I don't really remember how. Maybe from Max and Rock and Roll or something. I, I don't really remember, but yeah, I was I I was straight edge as soon as I found out what it was. Um, I never you know drank or smoked or did any drugs or something like that until I was much older. Uh, So I was like, you know, in my late twenties or something like that. When I was a kid, you know, my my uh, mom was an alcoholic and my dad was a junkie and stuff. And my I have a bunch of uncles that went to prison for drug related stuff and blah blah blah. So I was like, not into drugs and all that stuff, you know, from the jump, basically. So when I found out that there was a thing called straight edge, you know, there were like cool hardcore bands that also thought drugs were as dumb as I did. It was game over. Youth of Today was the band that I really latched on And this was maybe 92, 93. So, uh, after, you know, after they had broken up and everything like that, but when I found youth of today, I was just like, yes, this is what I was looking for.
0: That's really cool. And you know, I'm, I'm just noticing more and more people who aren't necessarily straight edge now, but they were straight edge during some real, really, uh, important years of their life. Like from like, you know, kind of, you would say late teens into early adulthood, and I'm starting to think that that was that was you know essential to kind of the success of some of these people I'm meeting, even though they didn't maintain that lifestyle, it sort of kept them on the straight and narrow uh, for a lot of important years, because that's when you get in trouble, you know, late yeah. teens, early. Well, 20s. I got in
1: plenty of trouble when I was older, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. What's what no. type of trouble you get into? Any any history there we could hear?
1: Uh, just you know, I just got uh, I was just in a bad place emotionally. when I was like, uh, I don't know, I got dumped by this girl I was with for like nine years when I was 29. And that really kind of fucked me up. And that's my fault, not hers. You know, I mean, she had every reason to to leave me and, uh, that just really fucked me up. And I spent a couple of years just being an idiot degenerate and partying and doing too many drugs and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, fortunately I escaped from it without, you know, any kind of criminal record or getting anyone pregnant or anything like that. But uh, it was a gnarly couple of years. I was in a bad spot, and uh, I'm glad I glad I made it out in one piece. But yeah, even though I, you know, it's one of those things where you probably had some of these experiences where you're like, "Man, I told myself I was never going to be this person, and I was never going to do this stuff." But here I am doing this stuff and being this person that I thought I was never going to be.
0: Oops. Yeah, sure. A lot of people, uh, you know, I guess I would say nearly everyone would go through that kind of realization. And uh, you mentioned the relationship and I just watched one of your uh, pieces you put out when you you're watching a cringe uh, metal TikToks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. And, yeah. And you gave you gave some good relationship advice. And in, uh, in that one, I thought to some of these uh, kids, you know, we're older men now, so I don't like to tease the kids. But, you know, yeah. it's so goofy. But then again, I was so goofy, <laughs> you know. It's totally. I did yeah. all
1: the shit that I made fun of in those. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I hope it comes across that I'm teasing them. I'm doing it playfully out of love. I'm not trying to like humiliate them or anything like that. Because, like you said, I did every single thing in there that I'm like cringing at. I did all of it.
0: Yeah. No, not at all. I didn't get that vibe at all. I, I, th- I thought it was funny, and, and you know, it was cool. Like if 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 the person who made that TikTok TikTok happens to be watching. They're, they're smiling, you know, that's, oh, it, was, so. it was very cool. Yeah. But the relationship advice was on point. And, uh, in, in, your history, I know at some point you move into the Midwest out to Ohio. What, what age was that? I was 18. So okay. Like, Cause I'm a little right more right familiar. I'm a little more familiar with that, like that straight edge scene, that hardcore scene. And yeah. that was kind of wild and it still is wild. wild. <laughs> yeah. It's, it still is wild. The Midwest, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's some real animals out there. Yeah, how did how did you find that experience?
1: Uh, well, it was definitely uh, uh, I guess a wake up call might be the way to put it. You know, Seattle is a very soft place. It was then, and it still is. And uh, like you said, the hardcore scene out there in Cleveland when I moved there was was pretty rough. You know, I would say it's not too different from like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, that kind of set. It's it's kind of the westernmost end of that scene, I would say. You know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there was like fights at every single show and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, I, I, I did not know what I was getting myself into. Uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad that I did. I mean, it was a bad, it was a horrible experience. <laughs> I was miserable, but, but I think I needed it, you know, cause it, it's just, there's a lot of people there in the hardcore scene that just would not tolerate my bullshit you know a lot of it just taught like I had a big mouth and I moved there and stuff and I learned quickly you know there's a lot of people out there who are not gonna tolerate you being a fucking smart ass when you shouldn't be or you know if you're gonna be a smart ass, you're gonna have to back it up which I was not willing or able to do. <laughs> so uh, I grew a lot from it you know I mean there, like there's I remember uh, this didn't happen to me but I remember uh, Steve from one Life crew, some kid was yelling at him about something, you know, whatever, like calling him your bad person, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying I agree with One Life Crew because I don't. But um, some kid was confronting him about whatever. And uh, Steve was kind of engaging him in debate for a while. And then he, you could tell he just sort of ran out of patience. He was like, oh, you don't like what I said? Then fucking fight me. And the kid just kind of looked at him like, uh, well, I mean, I'm mean, i not going to do that. Oh, okay, I guess I guess So uh, yeah, okay. And Steve was just like, "All right, then." and walked away. <laughs> and yeah. uh you know, that's the kind of experience you need when you're a young man, I think in particular young men, you know, you need to get checked like that sometimes and so I'm 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 ultimately grateful that that kind of thing happened to me.
0: Yeah, and it's um I just was listening to uh someone talking about childhood and this kind of what you just said uh goes into that he was talking about only children yep. and how you have to raise them in a different manner because without siblings to put them in check mm-hmm. they could develop like a narcissism a, 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 you know an, and I, I was an only child yeah and i thought that i was the center of the world yeah so there's something to it so yeah you, you go to a place surrounded by people who are more than willing to put you in check yep and uh yeah that could be uh like a medication. I like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I needed it. It Wasn't always fun. And, you know, I'm not saying that those were all great people or what I'm not defending the way that any of them act necessarily. But for me personally, it was a growth experience.
0: And I I also with the, uh, with the first, um, the first uh, show that I came across the the straight edge show, when you were talking, I sensed maybe some resentment to the scene back then, but maybe I'm wrong. Was I was I right in that kind of feeling? That, that I that I resented it? Yeah, that maybe there was some sort of you know, like you just said, there's an affection there, but then there's also some. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but was there any uh, resentment? Well, it's complicated. I mean, it's like you know, this these are like family members for us.
1: Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like if someone asks you about your brother, depending <laughs> depending on what mood you're in, and depending on the last conversation he had with him and stuff. You might be like ah oh, my brother's a fucking asshole or you might be like I love my brother I would die for him you know what I mean mm-hmm. it, it it goes both ways so I mean you know with with hardcore especially back then I I, I guess it's probably the same now I don't know I mean I don't you know I, I, I don't go to a lot of shows now so I can't really comment on and, and even if I do I mean I'm I'm an old man now so I'm I'm just I'm in a different place but so maybe it's the same now but at least back then um, you know, you're going to run into a lot of dysfunctional people and stuff in hardcore by by definition. I mean, you don't start listening to bands called hate breed and Terror because like you're a happy, normal person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you're going to encounter a lot of dysfunctional people and sometimes that you're going to have some bad experiences with them. Um, but uh, I would say that like the straight edge scene is the one that I have the best kind of memories of and like the most favorable impression of uh the stuff that really ended up turning me off would be more like crust punk type stuff um and a lot of the a lot of like you know emo indie type people who ended up just being the most fucking insufferable fucking assholes um you know i, I was friends with or or around a lot of the and as you obviously were friends around a lot of the so-called violent assholes. And in my experience, they were all actually really nice, friendly people. I never had any problems with any of them. It was always the, you know, the fucking clicky emo indie type people that were the biggest assholes to me. And then crust punks are just a fucking disaster. And I just want nothing to do with them. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would say those are the two kind of groups that there were scenes that, uh, you know, that looking back, kind of annoy me the most the straighter scene has its flaws but uh, it i've you know i don't really have anything bad to say about it there's definitely i mean there's some crazy people in the straighter scene for sure yeah um and you know like some of my friends when i lived in cincinnati in particular you know there'd be people who'd be like oh i can't believe your friends with that guy he broke my friend's nose for no reason you know and i'd be like well i don't know what to tell you that sounds like something your friend should talk to him about you know
0: yeah. When you mentioned the emo and uh, crust punk, uh, luckily all these years, I kind of avoided, I don't know much about those scenes at all, but um, there, it does seem to be an element with the emo scene. What I see a lot of like creepy girl stuff coming out of there. These kind like, of, you know, yeah, yep. these guys are just like praying, you know, like, but maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I don't know much about it. I just liked what I liked for a long time. And I went with that. And, uh, but like you said, there are some, some people with these reputations And, uh, but I never felt, you know, I never felt disrespected for no reason. Whenever I had beef, I kind of put myself in those situations. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah.
1: I mean, you you know, I I won't name any particular names, but pick the, uh, you know, pick the hardcore dude you want that you think of as being like a scary, you know, violent person, whatever. These people are not going to just come up and attack you out of the blue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just standing there or a show by yourself. They're not going to come up and just decide to ruin your day.
0: And you there know? were some like that, but they didn't last long. There was almost like a self, uh, you know, self. Yeah, because they can
1: fucking go to jail or OD or whatever. Yeah, you know, they self. Or they just
0: couldn't handle the numbers once they do that, that a little too often. It was just like, oh, you can't yeah. be around here anymore.
1: Yeah, but if someone's been on the scene for 25 years or something like that, like. It, I'm not saying it makes them an angel, but I think a lot of these stories that people would tell about, uh, well, I was just sitting there minding my own business. And then all of a sudden they jumped me for no reason. Like, okay, well, you left out the part where, uh, you know, you talked a bunch of shit on that guy for six months beforehand or made some sarcastic comment to him or blah, blah, blah. Like, you left that part out.
0: Exactly. You know you just uh talked you uh you mentioned the name Hatebreed, and one of your videos you were giving Hatebreed uh praise because lyrically they are like a really uplifting band and but they don't have that reputation at all you know right. but if you 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 did a good one if anyone didn't hear this check out Finn's uh episode where he he breaks down Hatebreed, the lyrics and the it's just there's some really deep stuff and did you ever hear of a guy named uh what's it, Jordan Peterson? Yeah. I feel like uh, Jamie from Hatebreed is listening to Jordan Peterson when I read some of his lyrics. Do you <laughs> I mean, get that he, vibe? Or? Th- I, I get, yeah, I
1: hear. It. I mean, the thing is, you know, Hate predates Jordan Peterson by a long time.
0: Yes. Um, but yeah, I totally, you're totally right. Uh, a lot of similarities there. A lot of self accountability you wouldn't expect exactly. to hear from a so called tough, tough guy band, you know? Exactly. And you know what? You did me a favor with the episode on uh, Slipknot. And I was, you know, I'm a jerky guy, and I like to joke around. But I really always gave Slipknot so much shit. I just didn't get it. They yeah. were around at the same time as, is you know, the, my heroes bands were. So it's kind of like I didn't see them as pioneers of anything. But I didn't either. Yeah, you. But you made me look at them differently in that in that video, um, about how important they are and to the metal scene. I mean. It's unbelievable. They're really important, and I felt like a sucker after uh, watching that. So I'm going to tell everybody because everybody heard me clown on Slipknot many times. I knew they could play. I knew they had chops. There was no doubt about that. I just thought once I see the mask, you know, I turn the other way. What do I know? I'm not into that shit. Yeah, I did too. I mean, everybody, everybody
1: did back then, and it's it's just so interesting to see how the you know the sentiment changes of the scene. Like for example, everybody fucking worships Limp Biscuit now. I mean, can you imagine?
0: I can't even believe it.
1: Like nowadays, if you say anything bad about Limp Biscuit, people think you're a clown and a poser. Like, how yeah. dare you not recognize one of the most important bands of all time, Limp Biscuit?
0: Yeah, yo, and like, I, really? have, I have I have younger guys on here, and when I mention, you know, when I say, you know, "Who are your influence?" Slipknot pops up. You know, Limp Slipknot, Biscuit like and Korn. Park, those are the, yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, what? Like, those were the bands like we avoided like the plague. I mean, yeah, of course back then, but these are hardcore kids, legit hardcore kids. And, and that's that though, those bands were some of their influence. So it's interesting. I, mean,
1: I remember, uh, when, uh, sick of it all and Chromex would tour with some metal band and get a bunch of shit for it. I don't remember who yeah. like Venom or whatever. I mean, I remember when people said sick of it all was too metal.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's, it's just funny. interesting how, t- I, you know, yeah, things saw, change. I saw "Sick of It All" with Corn. That's right. Many I saw that years tour. ago. Yep. and this 95, was '95, uh, I think. Where did you see it at? In the, in the Midwest? No, in Seattle. Okay, I saw it in Asbury Park, New Jersey, uh-huh. and we were like, "Corn, what the fuck is that?" And I didn't even like their logo, like that little right. kid-looking logo with right. the backwards K. But the venue didn't even open up the doors until Corn's last song. But they oh, were really the op- yeah. They were the opening band for "Sick of It All." I think it was uh you know the Stone Pony in asbury park and here you know they imagine were totally seeing corn at a place that small yeah and now i i wish i could go back you know say i oh i saw corn at the stone pony but i really didn't i saw them basically a couple chords and then breaking down a gear right. and now they turn into this mega band and i would have never guessed it like luckily yeah, I'm not. i I had their demo I, I they were giving them out at that show and what did you honestly think back then of Korn?
1: I thought it was fucking cool. Um, okay. Because it, it reminded me of Bloodlet, if you remember that band. Yes. Because um, I mean, new metal, like I had no fucking idea what, like new metal didn't exist then, you know? Yeah. And uh, I had no idea what Korn was. They just, I, they kind of looked and sounded like Bloodlet, you know? Because they're like, they tuned really low and
0: they're kind of groovy and they had dreads and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but it's kind of cool. Yo, you're right. I would never put them in it like like uh, compare them to Bloodlet, but it was like that,
1: kinda. Yeah, and even like I mean, the, I thought the, they were a hardcore band because, or or sort of hardcore
0: related or something because they were with Sick of It All. So I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and you know what, Sick of It All should get some props for having them, uh, if they had anything to do with actually putting them on the bill. I don't know, but if I was Sick of It All, I would act like I did at this. I point. would imagine. uh
1: I wonder why. Like, it, I wonder why the venue didn't open the doors. Is it because they? I mean, I would imagine a sick of it all show in 95 at the Stone Pony is probably pretty wild.
0: Yeah, it was wild, but I have no idea why they did that. But as a person in a band, I've had that done to me before where the venue was like, start playing now. We're going to open the doors in 10 minutes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> all right. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not going to play now to fucking a a bunch of security guards. They're like, then you got, then you got to cut your set. I'm like, yeah, then I'll play two songs, but I'm not going to play when the doors are closed. What are you nuts? Yeah. It's like a sound check. Yeah. I don't know why that happened to corn. I don't know why that happened to us, but that might be like a policy of some, some venues. I don't know. Maybe like in their minds, live music playing as the doors are closed. People, I I have no idea. It's stupid. Imagine being the guy that,
1: that closed the doors for corn.
0: I know what. House looking back now, it's so crazy. But even yeah. to think, uh, corn was you know opening for sick of it all back then, and even the recent uh run of shows. I don't know if I'm sure you're aware because you're the Matt Pinfield of this stuff, but you see that run in England with Madball opening for uh corn and Limp Biscuit. Uh, no, I actually didn't. Yeah, maybe it was like two years ago now, but okay. uh, Limp Biscuit reached out to to um Madball to open up the uh that tour it was corn and limp biscuit doing like six or seven shows in england like you know what's that what's that yeah. big venue in, in england the uh oh two yeah like they're playing places like that and oh, I, wow. just, I thought it was interesting that uh you know fred durst was even aware of the uh you know of mad ball and brought him out well he's a smart guy i mean
1: you know he plays the character of Whatever of the red hat backwards, you know, red backwards hat guy, but he's he's not dumb. He knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's it's uh also like the, There's a link with Madball and uh and Slipknot with the through the drummer. That's right. That's yes. right. And he's fucking awesome, man. He does a,
1: an amazing job of filling Joey Jordison's shoes, which is not an easy job to do.
0: Yeah, that's uh, Madball always had sick drummers, and that kid is yep. yeah, that kid is a badass drummer. Yeah, Will uh, Shepler was one of my favorite drummers back then. He has such a cool, groovy style. I always say that. Will Shepler. And then when he, you know, he really proved himself with that one voice agnostic front release. Yeah. And then that was almost like, that was like the birth of a Madball style. A couple key songs in that release showed you what what Madball is. His drumming
1: is such an important part of that style that, you know, what people think of as like the New York hardcore style. I think his drumming is such an important part of that, you know, that kind of like groovy,
0: slightly funky kind of style. Completely agree. And he's a Pennsylvania native, a lot of people don't realize. Oh, I didn't know that. Where's he from? He's from Pittsburgh. Okay. I'm actually from New Jersey myself, but I moved out here as a young guy. So this is, Got this it. is my home now. But Where are uh, you at in, in PA? A place called Stroudsburg, PA. Oh, okay. It's like the easternmost spot, like right uh, directly west of, of uh, New York City. Got it. So I could, I'll be in New York in like uh like an hour. Okay. Yeah, it's a de- decent location for Philly and, and New York.
1: You know I'm a uh, I'm I'm a sheet I'm a uh, a big fan of sheets. Speaking sheets. of Pennsylvania, yes. I know you you know you might be a Wawa guy. I don't know,
0: but uh, I love I'm both. And I just did an episode. My last episode was about all things Pennsylvania, mm. and I talked about the beef with Wawa and Sheets, <laughs> and Sheets drips into to Ohio more so than Wawa. Yeah. You know
1: because I mean, they're sheets. from Altoona. Yes. My uh the girl who I was mentioning who dumped me was from uh frostburg, Maryland, which is you know, super close to uh to Altoona. So that's where I learned about Sheets. We spent a lot of time there for family holidays and stuff like that. So I got uh, on the Sheets program then. And I, I will say there's not a lot of things I miss about that part of the country, but Sheets is one of them. Sheets is is amazing. Yeah.
0: Sheets is definitely legit, and and that is where that's we call that the super sheets, the one in Altoona. They that's actually right. make pizza in there. They sell everything. The MTOs, man, there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's great, and uh there is a rivalry: Wawa versus Sheets. And all people from PA should just shut up and be happy that they have either of those. Because when you're exactly. traveling late night anywhere else in the country, good luck.
1: Nothing. I mean, we got 7-Eleven here. So it's okay. It's kind of
0: rough, though. It is kind of rough. We got 7-Elevens here as well, but it's
1: not. Yeah, 7-Elevens okay, but it is nothing like Sheets or Wawa.
0: Yeah, the in my area, it's it's predominantly Wawa, but there are there just has been a Sheets that popped up, and uh, I like it. I don't hate it. You know, I'm happy to have either. You know,
1: would you come to blows over either one of them?
0: Never. I got a I got back either. I'd got back either. They're both. You got to pick one, man. That's not uh, how this works. If I, if I pick one, I'd go Wawa because this is like prison politics. You got to pick
1: yeah. a car, my friend.
0: If it goes like that, if there's gangs and I got to get down with the with the W's, then it's going to be Wawa all the way. And uh, all right. So now we know where you stand. Yeah. And it is. It is a healthier. It's a healthier alternative. Sheets is a little. A little uh, I love those cheese curds as sheets, though. They sell these Wisconsin cheese curds. Oh, my God. I like
1: the uh, no-bake cookies. What do they call them? Dots?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have those. so much good stuff, and and Sheets is superior for soda. Their soda, Fizz uh, City. Yeah, their soda. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how many sodas they have ready to go. But Wawa is something about it, and, and I think it's the soup. It's that corn chowder soup that's unique to them. And this time of year, they have what they call the Gobbler, the Gobbler mm. Bowl, or the sandwich was turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, and and the. Uh, the cranberry sauce, all mixed together. It's in, it's nice, uh, but yeah, if it breaks down, I'm going. Wow, wow I got.
1: Got to do what you got to do, man. I'll just handy that shank and be like, all right, <laughs> you know, you know, you got to put it in the work right now. The sheets sheets cars over there. You know what you
0: got to do, my man. Oh, I'm fucking sheets up. That's it. You're going <laughs> down. I'm gonna slice his face. Buck fifty. Now, That's I right. just speaking. Of, I'm now talking rap a little bit. I just saw you on on uh, no jumper, Adam twenty two. Yeah. And, and, and you know, as I watch his stuff, I'm realizing he as well as uh, has roots in the scene, which is super cool. Yep. And you I like he his, had uh, Isaac on. Yes, I saw that. And I just watched one with Toby just today. Yep. And uh, it's interesting because he has like knowledge of it, but not like extreme knowledge. So there's still interest, you know. Right. He still has. Oh, really? You know, like like some like a, a, a hardcore nerd like me. I'd be telling Toby what to say. Tell him about this. Tell him about, you know. (laughs) But but so it's cool to get the the aspect from him. And and your interview with him as well was really cool. And uh, that's where you gave more hints about, you know, and the commonality, the hardcore scene. So uh, when was it that you kind of broke off and strayed away from the hardcore scene?
1: Well, I don't think I ever really did. I mean, here I am talking to you, you know. True, um, true. So I don't think I broke off from it. It's just like, um, yeah, I don't think I ever really did. I mean, that's like the common, like that's my friends. And like, I mean, in 1997, I probably listened to 80% hardcore and like went to three shows a week if I could. And I don't do that anymore. But um, I don't personally feel like uh, I turned my back on it or anything like that. Maybe other people think that, but I to me i you know I, it's it's still
0: it still feels like part of who i am to me okay i'm sorry for assuming i just but um what what you, the quality you do have that a lot of people in hardcore don't have and i'll even throw myself in there it's just to be willing to listen to all of these other styles of music and give them credit when credit is due sure and i think that's key to the uh to the stuff you're putting out the content you're putting out and i'm learning a lot about bands that like i said i used to avoid so you just said back you know in the day it'd be 80 percent you're listening to hardcore well when did the point come where you just became more open-minded and willing to check other things out well i've always listened to a lot of different stuff i mean that like 97
1: 98 was like you know the peak of hardcore for me i would say um, but I mean, since I was a kid, my mom was really into like funk and like blues and jazz and stuff. Like she was really into James Brown and that kind of thing. So that was probably the first kind of music that I was ever exposed to. Um, and then I, I, I was into rap before I knew what hardcore was because of, you know, MTV raps. Um, so I was, I was into that stuff. Uh, like all the, you know, all the classic, like eight, late eighties stuff, like EPMD and Eric B and Rakim and special ed and you know, uh, cool G rap and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I discovered hardcore and that sort of became the focus of my attention for, you know, most of the nineties, but I've always listened to everything. I mean, I would listen to fucking, you know, Madonna and no effects, you know, and mad ball and, you know, morbid angel or something on the same tape, even when I was in high school.
0: So you're just a music lover in general.
1: Yeah. I like, I mean, it doesn't like, I don't care what genre something is. If I like it, I like it. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't have any of those like uh, invisible scripts people have like, I'm not allowed to like this because it's from <laughs> this genre or because they dress this way. Like that's stupid to me. Like if you don't like something, having said that, I also thought slipknot masks were stupid. So I get it. But you know, again, that's an invisible script. Like, all right, they look dumb. So what?
0: yeah no i'm I'm with you on that because uh like i clown slipknot but i love twisted sister so what the hell exactly yeah like i don't know is is so masks are dumb but pink fishnet shirts are cool <laughs> yo there was a lot of glam i did dig any glam ballad i was a sucker for for a minute do you remember the band pretty boy floyd by any chance i know the name but i don't i don't know the music they were like real late they came out in like 90 or
1: 91 when glam was basically already kind of dead Mm-hmm. Um, but they were really good. Poison were great
0: too. A PA band, Poison. That's right. That's right. Yeah. From uh, from Hershey, right? Yeah, somewhere more out West than here, but I'm not positive. Like Pittsburgh tries to claim them, but I don't think... No, no, no. I, th- I think... Uh, I'm pretty sure Brett is from Mechanicsburg. Okay. And speaking of Hershey, I just I saw Guns of Roses out there a few weeks ago. There you go. Wow. They, I mean, listen. Axel started off sounding on point, maybe first four or five. Then his voice... I'll admit it got shot. It was shot out. But musically, damn, those suckers man, can play, man. Appetite
1: for Destruction. Listen to that shit. Anybody that has never given that album a fair shot, listen to that on headphones. To this day, I would say that is some of the best like two guitar kind of arrangement yes. you will ever hear. It's fucking absurd how like intricate and nuanced those songs are.
0: Yeah, that rhythm guitar player, he does not get the credit he deserves because
1: no, that just, shit is
0: brilliant. Yeah, nobody's writing rhythms like that. It's almost like, wait, what are you going to do with that? Until it's all together, you don't really. Exactly. And you're like, if oh. you listen to it on
1: your own, it's so like scratchy and weird. And you'd be like,
0: what even is that? But then it comes together. Yeah, it's untouchable. Now, Izzy didn't, he wasn't playing at the show. They had this other guy that looks kind of like Izzy, uh, the rhythm guitar player, but the guy was on point. He was sick. Wasn't there a guy in the band
1: named Dizzy or something? <laughs> or am I imagining things?
0: And maybe maybe that's the name of this second the guy that fills in for Izzy. I don't know. Yeah. Izzy Dizzy. You know, they it just that's like the real like, I mean, if you're gonna tell an alien what's rock and roll, you're gonna show him appetite for destruction, and guns and roses. That'd you be know. a good choice. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. I was always a sucker for like like that band more so than others, but even like the the goofy hair bands could get me with with a ballad you know you a uh, white lion kind of guy no not really but the will any ballad they do i would i would like i would appreciate it i don't know why i just how about uh uh what is it the slaughter uh fly to the angels yeah that's a strong song like that yeah it's a, it's just song wise, it's on point. Like, yep. let's say the Beatles did a version of that in Beatle form, we would say it was a a great song. You know, that's a good point. And you know, the people in those hair bands could fucking play. Yes, especially on the guitar end. It's like like that some was just great. Drummers too, like yeah,
1: Bobby Rock from Slaughter, for example, mm. and Nitro. Dude's Bobby a Rock. machine.
0: What a name! Like in the names, you know, they yeah. kind of they they knew ahead of time. They took they took some pages out of like. You know, the, the, the rule books. Oh, it's like, it it's
1: like yeah. if Joe Hardcore's name was actually Joe Hardcore. Like, that's yeah. what it
0: said on his birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it should be, though. That guy's like, just he's obsessed. It's true, with, He's on a mission, Joe Hardcore. He was just out in California just to see some shows. I mean, that's, that's a Dude, guy. Dude, Punishment was sick. Punishment was sick. And listen, I came up with those guys, and they're younger than me. But these guys in Punishment were from a dilapidated shithole city block in Philadelphia, an area called Kensington and Frankfurt. Oh man,
1: that's where they're from.
0: Yes. And now it's just notoriously junkies and zombies to this day. And back then it was horrible, but they came from there and they played. And if you didn't like them, they didn't give a fuck. They weren't like the best musicians, but they just came off so hard and they were hard as as fuck. Yeah. As little kids. Like, you know, I was seeing them when they were little kids I so, saw them
1: in, like, 2000, I think, uh, with, like, Bleeding Through or something weird. And, man, oh, they wow. were
0: fucking great. Yeah. And they just had the vibe, you know? They had that yep. vibe. But they just, the problem was with so many good hardcore bands, they just couldn't keep their asses out of trouble,
1: you know? Right. And, there was uh, there were so many, like, Fury of Fives, another band that uh, uh, doesn't get enough credit. People who yeah. know, know.
0: Yeah. But yeah, F- a lot of Fury people of don't. Five another band that just like they were music as musicians, they were better than a lot of the other bands. They forced it upon themselves. I I witnessed fury of five practice and the singer was like the coach of the team and Mm -hmm. he told them what to do and he made them go over the set as he just watched.
1: And when he tells you what to do, you're going to listen. You say, say yes,
0: sir. And they watched and they made every move they're going to make live. And then he joined them for the second go around in the set as he played. And they all faced the same directions as if they're looking off the stage. And I was just like, man, this shit is kind of crazy. Like, we don't <laughs> do shit like I, me. I was so against being successful. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't care about, you know, anything like that, you know. But then I kind of saw Fury. I'm like, oh, man, they think they could make it. Is that possible, you know? And then sure enough you see some bands getting handpicked from the scene here going to bigger labels but fury was definitely underrated and live undisputed but i never when they put out albums i never the productions never caught me they were always kind of like a style of production that was a little too clean or thin for me you know
1: yeah i liked it and they also they didn't really tour too much outside of the northeast and you know i mean back then the ceiling for what a hardcore band could do was so low anyway i mean like Earth Crisis and VOD were like superstars to me, but in hindsight, it's like, oh, they were playing to like 400 people on the best night, like yeah that at that time, that seemed like a huge deal, but in hindsight, it's like, man, they were still just grinding it out in a van,
0: totally grinding, and they were they were on top of this, and I'm not putting there.
1: them down or anything like that. I'm just saying like that's how it was. They did the best you possibly could at that time. It's just like,
0: yeah, you could only do so much. yeah, why and why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think that the ceiling? for a band that calls themselves hardcore at least in america it's so low you know that's a good question because like you're saying i know
1: a lot of bands uh even to this day basically make their living in europe um i i don't know why it's just a cultural thing i guess um i mean i'm not surprised i guess like earth crisis for example i think it's amazing that they got as big as they did given given what the nature of their message was you know and that they weren't, like, that was their mission, is to, like, spread that message. They weren't trying to be, you know, celebrities or anything like that, you know? So it's it's amazing that they did what they did. VOD, you know, that music was really fucking harsh. Like, listen to, especially um, Imprint, that is really fucking difficult music to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Like, that. listen to it now, and it's still like, God damn it, this is yeah. intense. There's no way a,
0: a square is going to wall appreciate that
1: yeah Yeah. exactly i can see how maybe they felt like the first album was a little bit kind of new medley so i can see how you know maybe someone would think that was marketable but then they did imprint which was not marketable at all and i again i'm not that's not putting them down i think it's a awesome album but i can see why that sort of would limit their potential because it's just so fucking harsh um but yeah i don't i don't know why uh I don't know why, you know, other than the music itself, but then, you know, there's metal stuff that got big, but there's just, it's just something back then, you know, there's something about metal, I guess. Well, that was like the peak of new metal. Right. And, you know, those guys, the people in metal, they're not afraid to basically be a spectacle and hardcore doesn't do that. You know, like you're not going to wear masks and fucking have the goofy stage names and like. It's hardcore is less entertaining. It's 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 too real, you know, to be entertaining, um, and that's why I like it. But I think that's also why it's never going to be as marketable as Slipknot or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I when when people, the people I work with or my family members, when they say stuff like, "Well, why don't these bands, you know, get big or blah," and I just from what I could see, it just like they're not willing to really cooperate on a yeah. level that they should be willing to cooperate if they wanted to actually give like success a shot. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, that uh, too. That's kind of cool, but it's also stifling, you know, it's,
1: well, like, I did a podcast with Isaac, and I, you know, I talked about this in a little bit because he does have that personality that, you know, he could have had a reality show and he could have been, you know, he's complete. just such a fucking entertaining guy, you know? Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, you'd have to ask him why that didn't work out, but, uh, you know, there were some people and obviously people like, you know, Vinnie, Vinnie stigma and stuff, super like huge, entertaining personality. They're out there, but, uh, yeah, the stars just never aligned that way, I guess.
0: Yeah. And, um, two years ago you had a video about, about knock loose turnstile cold orange, where you said you see big things for hardcore, uh, in the future. Yep. and two years ago you had Knock Loose on the top of that list, and uh, with the recent they they just put out some new stuff too, and then with the recent success of Turnstile, yep. I mean you were onto something there because here with their follow up releases to that, it's the the numbers even even higher for them. Not like you know numbers in in the world of you know this the it's the not big Travis names. Scott, yeah, no, which I just listen. I you know he's all over the internet, TV, so I'm like, all right, who the fuck is this guy? I, that's how out of it I know I know hundreds of people that are music lovers and no one has ever mentioned his name to me. So I'm like, okay, let me who is this guy? And I listen to one of his songs. I'm like, I, all right, I guess it's an average type of song for that yeah. type. I don't understand the mass success and popularity of this guy or well, other people was- in that genre to be honest. It's it's yeah. so crazy to me.
1: With rap, I think um, I think the way to think about rap now is that it's not just music; it's more like these people are celebrities who also make music. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because the, the appeal of these people is not just their music. It's you're following them because you think this is an interesting person who has like an interesting, oftentimes crazy life. You know, uh and and their music is sort of you like the music because you like them, not the other
0: way around. You know what I mean? Yes. And my my wife actually said to me, because I was like, You heard of this guy? She's like, Yeah, but I don't know his music. I was like, Well, why is he so popular? And she she was like, Oh, I think it's because he's dating a Kardashian.
1: Yeah. I think actually maybe they have their second kid, like him oh, and Kyler okay. Jenner. And I was yeah. just like,
0: That's why he's musically successful because he's dating and i'm just like yo i don't know what it's part the of it yeah it's so crazy dude but like go back uh, if we go back to turnstile who released an album this year mm-hmm. and i think it's great and uh yep. another album i think that's great this year is quicksand those two albums i have uh, not actually heard the quicksand stuff i mean i was never a fan to be honest i didn't yeah. know much about him i seen him live i just didn't pay attention wasn't mean enough for my goofy ass But uh, I checked this one out and I'm just like, damn, this shit is good. Just catchy rock and roll with like great guitar tone and and stuff like that. On both of those albums, the guitar tone on the turnstile, it's just. In in hindsight,
1: Walter was always obviously the best musician of that scene by a fucking mile.
0: Yeah, especially as a writer. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, Yeah. always the best, like not even close.
0: Yeah, and his resume, uh, I only compare his resume to Craig from. from, uh, from sick of it all because mm-hmm. Craig has, and I just had him on uh, before you. I had Craig on. Oh, because, nice. Yeah. I wanted to discuss like a certain era, in New York hardcore, like the changing of the guard era, but uh, straight ahead, bands,
1: man, that is a fucking underrated band.
0: Yeah. Straight ahead. It was so dope. And you know, he was the guy on, we mentioned it before, agnostic front one voice, which was like, a, right. you know, changed the game in that scene. And, and he yep. was in youth of today and he played, was he a, in
1: NYC mayhem.
0: Yes, he was an NYC. God man. damn
1: it! That fucking demo is so good.
0: Yeah, and you're talking like when he was in that band, he's like a little kid, like 15 or something. Yeah, and uh, he's just he's just got a great resume, and he's you know. He was also the bass player with the John Joseph version of the Cro-Mags. and uh, he killed it on that because you know you can say what you want by Harley, but he know he he could rip yep. the bass. You know. Yep. Yeah, there's some guys from that kind of
1: era you know sammy has got to be in that conversation too yes. some of those guys are just really fucking good musicians that played in such a huge you know range of bands uh richie from you know underdog and into another did a lot of shit too uh it's interesting how it's actually kind of a small group of people that did so much
0: yeah and it seems they're all from queens almost like this yeah uh, yeah it's real it's really interesting I, the one of the things i you mentioned sammy I asked uh, Craig about now, you you know, because he just did a run with Youth of Today again, like a reunion run. The last show they played was like in, I forget what he said, like 90, no, 87 or something. Last time I played with them and he just played with them a few weeks ago. So I said, all right, you played with Sammy, you played with Mackie, you play with Armand all the time. And I made him break down the drum styles. That was pretty interesting because those Katie Hines is another fucking monster drummer from that. Yeah. All right, yeah, you you know you know your stuff, and and I know you're a musician too, right? Not a great one, but yes. Now, what what is it? I heard you mentioned with Adam Twenty Two about like a, a a guitar clinic or something like that, like it's one of the the businesses you have. What oh yeah. That?
1: So, I have uh, a couple companies that I'm part of. One of them is called uh, Nail the Mix, which is where we teach people how to record and mix music. So, the way that works is every month we have a different producer come on and they give you the actual raw multi tracks to the album. And then at the end of the month, they do a live stream where they show the, how they did it on the album. And you can kind of compare their work to theirs. So, we've had like, I don't know, like uh, Fallout Boy, Bring the Horizon, mashuga Opeth, Gojira, Periphery, uh, I don't know, tons. we've had like 75 wow. bands or something on now, Um, like the best of the best. So that's one of them. That's, that's the one a that's brilliant
0: worked. idea. That is
1: brilliant. I, it's pretty cool. Really changes how, I mean, because before there was no way for you to know how the sausage was made. Yeah. Unless you like knew somebody who worked at a studio or something, there was no way to know and uh and and now you know you can see exactly how they did it there's no secrets anymore the other one we have is called riffhard.com which is for metal guitarists that's uh we do that with a guy named john brown from this band called monuments that's kind of one of the founding fathers of the the gent scene uh and same kind of thing we have a different guest guitarist come on every month to show how they do their thing that one's a little bit newer um, but uh, this month we have uh, Dan Sugarman from a band called Ice Nine Kills on who's ridiculous. So if you're into if you want to be a shredder, uh, riffhard.com is the place to go.
0: Beautiful, very cool, man. But you, what do you play? You play guitar,
1: uh, yeah, and drums badly. Uh, and I can, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a decent mixer, I'm not great, but I'm decent.
0: I'm just, uh, I've been over the pandemic, I've been trying to learn how to record, but um. Because we always went to the studio. We would write traditionally, get in a room together, this and that. But when I had that time off, I bought like Cubase and some gear and gave it mm-hmm. a shot. Really fun. And it's getting easier and easier. Yep. Man, I just I enjoy it. I got to check that thing out because I'd love yeah, to I'll, learn some uh, tricks. I'll send, you, uh, I'll send you a login for it. That's cool. Yeah. I'd love to learn some of those tricks because I'm listening. And some of the bands you mentioned, I, I don't even know how like these productions are possible. Like a, the, some of the drum production on, on this yeah. new stuff. It's like, what the well, hell? It's, it's mostly it's fake. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But even like fake wise, I can't. I don't. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, they know stuff. They know stuff that I obviously don't know. The, I the drums
1: are the hardest part, I would say for sure. But now with like, you know, all the drum samples and the drum libraries and stuff. Um, I mean, I, I I don't like the style. This is my personal opinion. Um, I don't like that style of like the super modern drums, because to me, they don't actually sound like drums. Like this, the sound, the snare sound on a lot of albums these days, like
0: it doesn't sound like a snare drum, you know? No, no, not like 90% that you would be standing next to it. Exactly. Like if you've
1: ever stood next to a snare drum and you're like, does this, is this what it sounded like to you? The answer is no. Yeah. Um, and you listen to like the way drums like if you've ever been in a room with a band and someone's playing drums all you hear is cymbals right yeah but on records now and i understand why but it's like all you hear is this super super uh loud clicky uh kick drum and a super loud really sampled snare with hardly any cymbals or rooms and uh if people like that that's cool but it's distracting to me because it just, it literally just doesn't sound like a drum set, you know?
0: Yeah. I like the more traditional kind of like, you know, like, uh like the, the last uh, blood for blood, like outlaw anthem type production, mm-hmm. like just sounds like a good, you know, like if you were at a club with a good PA system and a right. good, good engineer, this is how it would probably sound with, a regular head and and no no tricks but which isn't
1: right for every band but no it's not definitely for like hardcore my like to me the pinnacle of production i i think to this day like i'm a huge fan of steve evitz uh who did probably you know 80 of the really good sounding 90s hardcore stuff out of tracks east we've had him on uh with dillinger escape plan uh i love his stuff because it sounds tight and punchy and clean but it's all it's still real
0: yeah, wow, Trax East, that was like a fantasy when I was younger to record at that place.
1: That's right, yeah. Well, Evitz did his best work. Well, not his best work, but at that time,
0: yeah. he did his best work out of there. Yeah, I used to always look at the the liner those oh, Trax East, again, those motherfuckers. Yeah. How, how could I get up there? That's right. Yeah, that's dope. That's real cool. You know, uh, a production I like is uh, that Will Putney guy with the body count stuff. Yep, and because, Knock Loose. We've had yeah. him on uh, a couple times. Okay, yeah, that guy knows some shit. Like, because the yep. body count was like rock and roll enough that I really liked it. You know, with the other bands, he he gets, you know, what gets what they want, which is yep. kind of like you described with the drums and it's just like so almost so unnatural that yeah, I can't really get into it.
1: But it's what people like, you know. It is. And it's I'm an not, old yeah. man. Who the fuck cares
0: what I think? Yeah, like I'm so far out of it. What the fuck do I know at this point? I like yep. to talk about it though. And uh, yo, I was talking to you about Turnstile before. And then I I got sidetracked, but so when two years ago you made that video, you kind of foresaw big things happening within the scene. Do you think there's a a ceiling for turnstile or are they going to keep on keep on going?
1: Well, I mean, they're never going to they're never going to be able to wear top 10 band, you know, and I don't Mm. think they want to be. But uh, I think they'll be able to, you know, keep doing what they're doing as long as they want. Uh, There's no reason why why they can't. You know, people love them uh, and they keep exceeding expectations with every album. So, you know, are they going to be the next Post Malone? No, but I don't think they want to be.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing them on these bills that would have a person like Post Malone. And that's really Mm -hmm. that's surprising. That's that's cool. Yeah, they're not they're not outside of that conversation, which
1: even just that itself is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I figure I get the expert opinion from you. And uh, I don't know anything more than you. Nah, nah, come on! You got your ear to the street, baby. You know what's going on. Me, I go to the local show, and then that's it. See a couple fights, a couple bands, and I go home. (laughs) A couple fights. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. It's like, what's the who's on the undercard? Yeah, look, okay. There's a good fight outside, or this new band. I'm gonna check out the first couple seconds of the fight, and then come and check two songs from the band. (sighs) Yeah, the fight fight was kind of slow. Yeah. And then have a pretzel from Wawa afterwards.
1: There you go. That's the dream. That's that's that, that's what that's why I was having so much fun with hardcore in '97, '98, because I would go to Peabody's in Cleveland. I don't know if you ever played there.
0: Yes, um, I love Peabody's.
1: Yeah. The old Peabody's. We'd go there in the flats and uh go if the band was cool, then we'd watch the band. If not, then we'd just stand outside and watch whatever the fuck was happening in the street, then, which you know, at that time there's a lot of wild shit happening, and just you know, go. Harass people in the street and whatever, and go to Hooters to get some wings or something, and it was it was fun.
0: Yeah, Peabody's was wild. Did you know that one of the uh, security from Peabody's is uh, a WWE wrestler? Goes by the name Raymond Rowe. no, uh,
1: I, I don't follow wrestling too much, but that's cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, me neither. But he's he's up there. He's kind of a famous guy, hmm. and he he promotes Straight Edge. He's like a Straight Edge Viking. Oh, in WWE, and he was uh. I had him on the show. I think last year, he was uh, security at the uh, at Peabody's. So we talked about a lot of that stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you never know. But just knowing that for the people at home, that's the kind of uh, animals you got in Cleveland. They, they end up joining the the WWE after doing security well, for years. At I Peabody's. have a, I
1: have a fun story that I will tell for maybe some of the people on this podcast would would find this interesting. So back then. I have no idea what the, what the status of this is now. I, I hope that nobody involved cares anymore, but at the time there was this like New York Cleveland beef or whatever. And I don't even know all the details, but I remember uh <clears throat> mad Ball and Scarhead played Cleveland. Well, this is when Isaac was living in Cleveland
0: mm-hmm. 98 the balls I think. on him, right? What a guy.
1: Oh, well, I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's got beef with Cleveland and he moves there.
1: I, that's, I mean, that's how he rolls. And, uh, yeah. Think we all know how that beef turned out. So yeah. I think he was uh I think he was justified. But uh so they played and uh I was standing towards the back because you know I did not want any part of the dance floor at that show. And uh because you know, I, at the time I was probably 140 pounds or something. And uh there were two, I think it was I think it was uh I think it was. Chubby Fresh and Steve were in front of me. Don't quote me on that, but it was two guys from One Life Crew were in front of me, kind of watching. And, uh, and Ezek called them out on stage, you know, basically like, Hey, you know, here we are. Like, what are you going to do about it? And, uh, I I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I just saw them kind of turn to each other and say something and then just like
0: walk out the back. (laughs) Mm, Smart move. (laughs) That's what I thought. I was like, Yeah, that was probably the right thing to do. Yeah. I'm I'm friends with Chubby. I like Chubby.
1: He's he a, was always he, cool to me. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I don't, you know, he's said a lot of wild shit over the years. I don't endorse any of it, but he was always really nice, really friendly to me. I I never had a bad experience with him personally. Steve was always cool to me too.
0: Yeah. I met Steve a few times, but uh Chubbs is like a friend. But I he just uh yeah, he can't shut up. He's like very uh you know, if he feels like he has to say something, he says it. And it's kind of like, what are you doing? Just don't even address this stuff or don't even get involved. He's he's a nutty character. But when he's I was a like a great host, he's a great Yeah, host.
1: super, super friendly guy. When I was like 19 or something like that, I ran into him at the mall in Cleveland. And uh I don't know if he even really knew who I was, but he could just tell from how I was dressed that I was like in hardcore or something like that. And he was there with uh one of the guys from Warzone because they were playing that night. And he was like, Oh, you 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 want to eat lunch with us? And I was like, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, I that's ate, the kind I, of stuff you do, definitely. Yeah. So
1: I think I think the guy's name was Todd from Warzone, maybe. I don't
0: I don't remember. Oh, like a darker guy guy or yeah. no? Yeah. 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 Todd Hamilton. Yeah. That was the guy. Yeah. And uh
1: so I had I ate at Taco Ball with uh with Chubby and uh Todd from Warzone. It was cool. So I have nothing bad to say about him personally. Again, I don't endorse everything he has
0: said or done, but he was always cool to me. Yeah. I was thinking about having him on a few times, but I don't want to get, I don't want him to get himself in trouble. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I don't care what people think to me. That a friend, my friend is my friend, you know, like I'm not going to hide it. But yeah. I, I don't want to see him get himself in trouble. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Tony for listening, thank you for inviting me to lunch. That was cool. I still remember it twenty some years later.
0: See that Chubbs. You say everybody hates you. See somebody remembers a nice thing about you.
1: No, every, everybody, uh, Everybody likes him, you know, I think. Uh, yeah.
0: You just kind of, yeah, everyone likes him. They're just like, oh, why did you say that? Yeah. Yeah. He's a wild dude. And, but that's yeah. almost like the the Midwestern way. It's like this, it's a, like an antagonist kind of, it's like they're hardcore, but they're punk in the sense of like, yes. I want to shock somebody. I want to really fuck somebody's head up. Like, what can and I, I have, do?
1: Like, I appreciate that. Like, I appreciate that. Those, I had the P.O. box next to Dwid, And so I'd run into him at the, At the the post office sometimes i don't think he really knew who i was exactly either but uh i I was around those guys quite a bit and uh you know uh not always not always positive interactions let's put it that way um but uh but i appreciate that they were like you said
0: is very punk like just antagonizing the world i can appreciate it yeah now with Dwight, I don't like that motherfucker. I'll put that out there. People I that don't
1: that. I don't I don't know him. He was yeah. uh always a little bit rude to me, but I don't know him personally. Yeah,
0: he's like he's like a, a ego guy, you know, cocky, arrogant, ego. And uh you, he shouldn't really be like that. Chubbs is like I said, he's 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 kind, he'll treat everybody nice, but he just verbally like, Why are you going there? Why are you saying this, you know? He gets himself into, you know, into, into trouble, but yeah, I, I like tried to,
1: you know, I mean, especially at that time, integrity was a really big deal. So I, whenever I would run into do I would, you know, kind of, and we had some mutual friends, I would try to kind of talk to him and he just wasn't really having it probably because I was a dorky little kid or whatever, which, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it didn't leave a good taste in my mouth.
0: Yeah. I don't like that. The arrogance, you know, yeah, it's like defeats the whole purpose of the scene itself. Like if you're going to walk around like a rock star then go try to be one you know yeah. what i mean get the fuck well, out of at the here, time you know it one.
1: seemed like integrity you know in the context of the hardcore scene at that time you know kind of seemed like they were but in hindsight yeah it's just another hardcore band
0: yeah totally i mean they did well in hardcore but we know how that for is so.
1: yeah for whatever that's worth
0: yeah and uh yo i appreciate talking to you i'm a big listener I'm digging this stuff and it's turning me on to a ton of new things and even old stuff but I wanted to ask you one thing before, before you go, because you are an expert, okay? And you, you put me on with the Slipknot rhetoric and how you know, essential they were. They really did change the game in metal, and I love metal. It's just not really my scene. Yeah. But what would you consider the, the three, the top three most influential metal bands, or let's say important metal bands? Like ever or? Ever, from day one until now.
1: Metal bands, I mean, I would say, gosh, that's a tough one, but I mean, you have to have Metallica in there, right? Yes, 100%. I mean, you agree. have to have Metallica in there. Uh, I would say probably Pantera as well for kind of creating the the groovy sort of style that has uh, become so popular since then. And I would say Meshuggah probably would be number three sugar yes i hear you mention them a lot you're a big fan of them uh not really no i mean i don't i mean i appreciate them i don't listen to their music because it's a little bit too repetitive for
0: me okay um but uh i certainly respect them because i saw in the uh i think it was the new metal video you put out you give them a lot of uh props for kind of pioneering that style am i right in saying that or no oh yeah i mean
1: that style of riffing that fucking absolutely everybody uses now i mean in the same way as you remember how everyone ripped off slayer in the 90s and you know that's how everyone is with meshuggah now Mm -hmm. i don't even i don't even know how much people know how much they rip off meshuggah because it's just so like common now i gotta revisit that you know i gotta check that out and put it to listen to their notes. uh their album uh destroy erase improve which is from 95 i think um uh, and consider that they were like 21 then and that that was all recorded with no click track to fucking basically live and listen to how fucking tight and modern
0: that sounds it is yeah. absurd that changes things live and no click track that especially for technical music
1: it's like, absurd yeah
0: and it is so fucking tight
1: it is tighter than other people. Like you can use every studio trick you want. Uh, you will not sound as tight as Meshuggah does live. That is mm-hmm. how good they are.
0: That's impressive. Now you said those three bands. And I, I always wonder, cause in a lot of the videos I, I hear, I only ever heard you mention this band one time. Maybe I'm wrong though. Okay. But what is black Sabbaths?
1: Oh, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's totally, that's totally valid. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to pick just three. I guess, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it should be Metallica, Black Sabbath, and I mean Meshuggah really has to be up there. Like as far as modern metal goes, like they're definitely the most influential band of the past twenty years. Like I don't I don't yeah. think you could argue that. Um Black Sabbath, yeah, you're right. Black Sabbath should probably be in there. Yeah, I just I I only heard I was like, I wonder if this dude
0: he likes Black Sabbath at all.
1: I know, I never listened to Black Sabbath. I've never owned okay. a Black Sabbath album. I mean, obviously I Familiar with them, but I've never owned yeah. their albums too. I mean, I was already listening to like Sepultura
0: before I really ever heard them. So it was like, this is just slow and boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. All right. It's a different kind of thing. Maybe as a, an adult going back, you might dig them. I don't know, but like, I, uh, I can appreciate it. It's just, it's too late.
1: You know what I yeah. mean? It's like how I never got into any of the 70s punk stuff to be like, oh, you got to listen to the
0: Dickies and, you yeah, know, I'm television. You on and I'm like, this sucks. Like, I want to listen to the Circle Jerks honestly even the bad brains was like that for me i could never yeah, really me too. i couldn't get into them i definitely understand because everybody that i love love them yeah so i could understand the importance but yeah it just was totally
1: respect it. i just wouldn't choose to listen to
0: it yeah and i almost like seeing the little clips uh from them live rather than playing their songs like the, from the any albums yeah it, it is it interesting though
1: like listening to them you know i remember i would hear uh you know, Harley Flanagan and stuff talk about how influential they were, and and I didn't really get it at the time, but listening to it now, it's like obvious. Like all those Cro-Mags riffs are, you know, very very uh, influenced by Bad Brains. So I can hear it crystal clear now.
0: Yeah, totally, I agree. Well, listen, Finn, I appreciate it. Great convo, and uh, everybody out there, you know, if you're not onto this already, it's then you you know get onto it because we're all about music. Anybody that li- I'd assume that listens to my podcast is all about the music and a podcast like yours and a YouTube channel and all the stuff you do on the size, super important to it, especially for any heavy or underground music, because, you know, we don't really have outlets and anybody with, 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 an actual, you know, voice that gets past our own walls talking about it. So it's great that you're doing this, man. I love it. I do what I can and, uh, appreciate the, uh, appreciate the support. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then. Get your fucking ass out of here before I get you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck do you think you are? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfucker!